0: Welcome to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes Podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood, This conversation is so incredible with my friend, Tion. As we just sat in his office and started talking, I finally just hit record because everything he was saying was so good, but there's three things you're going to get out of this episode that are going to challenge you as you think about your journey of fatherhood. One is to give your child room and space to be themselves and to grow. Two, are you building honest relationships with your kids? Like truly honest. Are you really ready to be honest yourself and to hear them be honest with you? And then why do your kids rebel? And what role do you play in when your children rebel? Check out this episode. You're gonna love it. This guy, Tion has so much wisdom and the way that he thinks and processes life is gonna help you, hopefully, if you're open to it, Open your mind to consider the father you are and the father that you want to be. Enjoy this conversation around fatherhood.
1: However we view religion or spirituality, you know, there's vibe, there's emotion, like there's all these things and we're more than just a thought. Mm. We're more than just a feeling. You know, there is, we have premonitions, we have intuitions, we have epiphanies um, that help guide us, that say... This person needs a softer version of you right now, mm. especially if, like, if you're a coach, you pick up on these things, right? Like, we say if you're coaching a basketball team or a soccer team, like, if you're tuned in, you don't ha- you don't even know everything about these people, these kids yet, but you can tell which ones need to be pushed harder with like tough words and mm-hmm. threats, and which ones need encouragement. And so, when we utilize all of our faculties that that give us information that say that guy needs to- you need to let him know he's not pulling his weight that guy needs to know that he's doing a good job and just
0: keep at it. Yeah. That guy needs to know like, hey dude, like sometimes we all, trust me. I love that. And being aware that you might need one thing one day and something different the next. Yeah. And not just put somebody in a bucket that this is how they always need to be treated. That's the hardest
1: thing for all of us to remember, including within ourselves, is that we are constantly changing and evolving. Um, Who we are today is not who we're going to be two years from now. Yeah, we're gonna listen to different music more or less. We're gonna want different things out of our life. Um, We're gonna have different emphases on what's important to us. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's security, sometimes it's stability, sometimes it's freedom, sometimes it's uh, new, sometimes it's I need to cocoon. And to assume that we're always one thing and click save is a very detrimental thing because we're just not. Like sometimes, depending on how I'm feeling about, like for example. You know, I've been skating since 87. I've been doing graffiti since 91. My confidence level that I know what I'm doing in that is is I've been doing it for so long. Even when I'm not doing it good, I know, okay, I just need to, if I really want to get better, I just work at this. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm trying to do filmmaking and I've never done filmmaking, I'm way more vulnerable. I'm way more out of my league. Mm. So if I'm working, if I go seek out a mentor or someone like, I need them to nurture me. <laughs> right. You don't show up the same
0: way you're showing up to go skate <laughs> no. or do graffiti. Yeah. And you realize, I'm not just going to show up like, I know how to do all this because I know how to do all that. Yeah.
1: You got to be raw and vulnerable. And mm. I think that's one of, the, one of the best things that I've ever been guided to do for myself is always pick up a new trade. Because it keeps you vulnerable, huh? It keeps you. It, it reminds you, like, don't get it twisted because you're up here and everyone's giving you
0: accolades. Don't forget where you were. So what's so funny that you say that is I I recently had this, went to this little men's thing and part of the event was we had to get in the boxing ring. Right. And if, and use any example, like as a dude, you see somebody fighting, you see somebody fishing, you see somebody riding a motorcycle, whatever you go, Oh, I could do that. Right. Right. You see it. So we showed up. And my ego was right. like, oh, dude, you'll be fine. Right. You know, because I didn't, I didn't, one, I wasn't vulnerable to the, the trade or the craft of boxing. Right, right. Right. And two, I had this idea in my head that I'm just as good at other things that I'm good at as I would be at this. Right. Not thinking I've been skating since 87. Right. Right. right, right. Not taking it. And I got my ass handed to me, bro. Right. And it sucked and it wasn't fun at all. But it was that reminder that you need to respect life yeah. crafts and realize that just because you can excel in a certain area doesn't mean you don't need mentor skills and other things to be better at something yeah. else well dude we could just talk forever so for people to get to know you a little bit better uh how old are you so i'm 43 43 and you're married I am married. How
1: many years have you been married? been married for 13 years, but together for 17 years.
0: Okay, and you have three kids? We have three kids.
1: And what are their ages? Uh, Karina, the oldest, is 21.
0: Aaron, he is 18. And Deja, she is 12. Nice, nice. And, and um, do you say two stepchildren or... W- how do, you, how do you refer to it? I just say like that, that we
1: have two Russians and a black Russian.
0: Two Russians and a black <laughs> Russian. And that's what you said when I walked in here. Yeah. And the only reason I bring it up is just for people to get a um, a better view of like the world we live in. You know, right. that there's these families that come together and figure it out together. Yeah.
1: Um, It's fascinating. We, like, you know, we have three last names. Mm. So <laughs> it's very like my wife kept her last name. Okay. So she's, you know, she's Russian from Lithuania. Yula Kalk. And then her two kids she had with her previous, they have the dad's last name, so Karina and Aaron Boudinot. And then Deja has my last name, Torrance. So we're like the Torrance called Budinos. We just have <laughs> – it's it's very fascinating. She just saw when I was taking um, the earlier – because I've been around the earlier two kids since they were three and six. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they grew up in the, in the Jewish community centers, like JCC in San Francisco okay. and Walnut Creek. So, you know, I'm taking them to school, you know. And so then, you know, they have the – you know, each year they have the, the the kids would do the picture boards of like their family. Yeah, and it would be like grandparents, and it's like Boris and Galina Kalk, you know, and like, you know, and then it'd be like dad, and it's like me, and like, with, <laughs> and they're just, and people would just be like trying to like, but like, they don't, uh but then wouldn't ask, but until we'd explain to them, you know, like they yeah. separated, their previous father had passed away once they separated, and you know, oh, but it was just so intrinsic because, you know, Aaron was two three when I came in his life yeah he had no attachment yet like you know kids don't have a, a serious attachment to their dad till like <laughs> you know four or five six they're usually moms like we're assistants for the first couple of years yeah um and so we just it was kind of intrinsic for him like he has a connection to his dad just via mannerisms dna like he looks and walks and has these this pensiveness of his dad but he didn't know that mm. but then I've been around and we have this so um it's just very fascinating because it is the hodgepodge and it looked very um like there was something missing in this equation to make it all make sense and then we had deja and she kind of like brought everything together she's like the mascot because she kind of looks like me a little bit like aaron karina like just kind of just cool just tied it all together yeah you know
0: oh man that's good so what do you do for a living
1: what do i do for a living i like the title in one minute yeah (laughs) i'm the title i use i'm a professional big kid so Hmm. the business then is i have a i have a culture and lifestyle marketing firm okay which does everything from brand management artist management event coordinating consulting um we do after school enrichment programs um we do you know commission murals graffiti and street art um all types of stuff. But it's all under one umbrella. Basically, I grew up skating, doing graffiti, loving hip-hop, and working with the youth. And so I just turned that into a career because I, I was a horrible employee. But I have a good work ethic. I just don't like to be told mm. what to do all the time. So I formed that in. into where now it's this whole brand management and cultural and lifestyle marketing. And it's basically what I, what I do is I curate and consult on the relationships of these four Cs. Community, corporate culture and cool mm. and the intersection of all of those. So. I like it. Yeah,
0: And that's what you've been doing for, that's forever.
1: It in some way, shape or form. Yeah. You yeah. know, I got an entrepreneurship at 18. I was, I shaved off my nose ring. I'm Wow, shaved off my nose ring. Uh, I took out my nose ring and shaved off my first set of locks and went full suit and tie and worked for an environmental marketing firm selling water filters and air filtration um, and then that I got into, I uh, had a graffiti art agency which mm. was, you know, from that and then just one thing led to another. Then I ended up tour managing and road managing independent hip hop artists. Then I started managing a hip hop artist for a decade. That's when I met you. I was managing Dell, the funky almost sapien. Um, And then from that, I went from managing the artist, working with brands and other companies Mm -hmm. to being the company that's in the middle that manages intersections between brands, artists, and fans. Mm. And that's where I got into brand management and culture and lifestyle stuff. So now I flow in between artists uh, companies, communities, uh and creative spaces.
0: Man, it sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> sounds fun keeps Needs to be. Keep, keeps things well definitely if you're your title is to be a professional big kid. Yes. It keeps you involved in things that allow you to be creative and bring energy and relationship, like showing up to a playground yeah. and uh seeing what seeing what happens.
1: Yeah. The one of the worst things we can do for ourselves and even for our kids is lose our sense of our inner child, mm. um, you know, to adulting.
0: Yeah, and that was something I was going to ask you about because you mentioned that when we first started talking, um, that it's important that you've made it important to make sure your kids just dis- sounds like just not grow up.
1: Yeah, well, it's the the definition of grow up in our society is like anything that was silly, that was goofy, that was fun. As an adult, you shouldn't do unless you're drunk and you have an excuse. Mm right like you you can pass it off if you're drunk but like childlike qualities are just like joy like that word alone is a big word that is you don't hear a lot of people talk about in adulthood right gratitude like i'm just so like i'm just so excited that i'm on a skateboard right like i'm just so excited that i could like have three different boxes of cereal what like i'm just excited cuz i can go outside yeah you know we lose
0: that yeah we, we rationalize Why do we our lose s- it
1: well I think rationale we have to we have to rationalize things a lot as adults um responsibility and the perception that in order to be responsible you have to be serious mm. and that's really not true because if you study um a lot of different entrepreneurs, they're very silly sometimes extremely eccentric and goofy and like off yeah. the you know like you know like whatever we think about people like Walt Disney or Steven Spielberg or these people like these people are kids just Mm. dreamers. Yep. And they dream they've never, they were never, uh, capped. They were never compressed into a box. They could dream big and dream out of the pocket. But I think a lot of our, our society has been bred to be employees
0: for sure. For sure. I mean, I would, we don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but like, I feel like the schools kind of set us up Mm -hmm. for that so how do you two questions then one related to kids and one related to dads yeah how do you help encourage your child to take responsibility but still have joy
1: well what i try to tell them is like dude if you handle your business you will have more freedom Mm. (laughs) to me it goes hand in hand like i'm able to live this life because i was able to learn proper business and relationship skills to be responsible to have good ethic, to have good work ethic, uh, to do what I say I'm going to do. to find That's a wa- big one right yeah, there. Yeah, find ways to be of service to people. Um, you know, and these are all things like, I got entrepreneurship very early and I had opportunity to work with a company that was kind of ground up growing. And I had mentors who were like, you know, have you ever read Think and Grow Rich? Have you ever read How to Fr- Win Friends and Influence People? Have you ever read Don't Sweat the Small Stuff? Um, I never read any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it just starts to get your mind working on how, Successful people think this is a monetary, but it translates um, versus how the average person thinks. And most of us are taught to be an audience member while successful people are raised to be magicians, Mm. you know, wooing and awing the audience. And so it goes into like the school stuff where, you know, think of college. College teaches you business management and accounting and all these things. So you can get a job and go work for a company that's probably helped infested in that school. It's in hope in return to get more employees. Right. They're not going to teach you entrepreneurship because then you're going to go off and start your own business. You may compete with the companies that are funding these schools. Mm. So, you know, we're taught to be employees. There's nothing wrong with that. Not everybody is built to be an entrepreneur. Right. But everybody at least is pretty much in my mind has more than one passion.
0: Hmm. So in your kids, you've taught them to get done what they need to get done. Yeah. So that, but it doesn't sound like it's just so that they can enjoy life because it sounds like you enjoy life with that getting stuff done because you're not just looking at it from a, like a checklist mentality. It's like, this is your life. So you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's, I look at it like this,
1: like kids today have more exposure to way more things. And a lot of times, um, they can call bullish on stuff very early, you know. Like our our uh, oldest child was like, "Why am I taking this class? Mm. This has nothing to do with what I'm, what I do in my life, or what I plan to do." And we look at it, whatever the class was, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Like that's true, but the most important thing you're learning now." is the ability to discipline yourself to learn something new Mm. and follow through with that because you may have a job where they assign you to do something that's not your specific passion, but you want to be able to do that because that builds value for you in that company or a skill that you can then take to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have to kind of quantify it beyond this specific piece of knowledge. It's like more important than this piece of knowledge may be your ability to understand how to work with yourself on how to, Uh, grow and attain knowledge even in areas you're not specifically excited about that's a skill because in order to get where you want to go there may be several of these things you're not into but they're important pieces to getting to where you go
0: yeah so that that's the interesting piece is not just making it just get used to doing crap you don't like to do right and then that's what you're going to do forever but but planting that seed or keeping them alive to go Life is messy sometimes and there are things that you will have to do that you don't love, but do them so that you can be disciplined enough where it frees you up to then also pursue either your side passion or you're growing inside of a company or it's setting you up for something future. So it's, it's not, and I like it because you're saying it's not just the do it because that's what life is. Life is, it's, it's do it with the mindset that there is more.
1: Right. And that, you know, in life, no matter like no matter what business you're in, like, for example, I have my own business and I tell people the good news about when I go talk to kids to like the good news about having your own business is you're your own boss. Mm. The bad news about your own business is you're your own boss. Right. No one's going to tell you to get up. No one's going to tell you to follow up on those calls. No one's going to tell you to go make sure your flyers are printed right. And there's like the spelling's right. Like no one's going to do any of that. Mm-hmm. But that will predicate how much freedom and success you have, because if you're if you're not on time and your clients don't trust that you'll be there, you'll lose them Yeah, and so on and so forth. I'm like, so there are many things like I love to do. Like I love to paint the mural that, that I like. I love to speak in front of kids. I love to go skating and travel. But in order to do that, I need to make sure my social media is right. I need to make sure I'm following up on emails. I need right. to have basic contracts. There's
0: stuff that has to happen.
1: I need to learn how to send an invoice. Yeah. I need to, you know, like, so you have to have, the Structure in order to have the fun that the fruits that grow mm, from the it, structure
0: and so yeah, I and thought, that thought joy could about still that. come in that. That's good, yeah. All right, so a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, what has been the best resource to you as a father? So, from coming in to being a dad, right. Like, all right, I'm dad now, to have you know, having kids middle school, high school, now yeah. college or yeah, college yeah, age,
1: yeah, graduating college, and one's the oldest one's graduating in two weeks, Dang. weeks. yeah, it's crazy.
0: So what's some some of the best resources you've
1: had? Um, I mean, some of the best resources I've had, uh, my initial one was my mom. Mm. So I was raised solely by my mom. Um, And she did everything. So I knew how to raise a kid. I didn't know specifically what a father did, but I knew how to raise a kid. Yeah. And I knew the balance between nurture and tough love because she was both, you know, both. Like, she could hug me and I could cry, but she put her foot in my butt if I got out of line. Yeah. Um, You know, and then hip-hop, which is a trip because I grew up in hip-hop. And hip-hop, when I grew up and when you grew up, had multiple narratives and multiple stories. It wasn't just partying and and whatever, you you know, drugs or whatever you hear. There was a range. And there was a lot of um, Afrocentricity in a lot of the hip-hop I listened to, which was about... You know, being a father to your child and educating your children on their history mm. um, and empowering them and letting them know that their history didn't start at slavery um, and that they were kings and queens and innovators. Um, Dude, that's. Yeah. You know, so like hip hop in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a lot of positive messages. There's songs like be a father to your child and, you know, all this stuff. Um, and I had a lot of mentors from the music and then skateboarding um, because I'm the little kid and I had a lot of older male homies who would take care of me, hmm. who would guide me, who would be like, yo, you know, um, yeah, stay over here. You know, keep doing that. You're doing good. Keep, you know, And skateboarding, you know, is one of the neat sports because everyone's so encouraging. Like when you land a trick, everyone's clapping. Mm-hmm. You know, when you fall, like, oh, you got it. And so you just, and a lot of it in this in environment we grew up in was 97 percent male so like you know when you go to a skate park and you saw these skaters who are older and and uh you know more skilled they would they would encourage you not all of them but a lot of but them a, would encourage but a lot you.
0: of them would which i think is cool that you bring up both the hip-hop and the skating because i think regardless of what you know about those two things they they seem more rebellious and but rebellious in a negative sense and in yeah. some sense they are but in that circle it is very encouraging and mm-hmm. there is this sense of belonging and not just in the sense of, Oh, let's do something destructive. Right. There is still a lot of positive growth that you could gain.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, and when we were, and so we had the, the benefit of growing up in the era where these two um, cultures went through a very dramatic change from going from like a really cool subculture to like now, it's like international trending of pop culture. Like right. skateboarding and hip-hop is a huge dictator of culture. Right Back then, you know, when you heard a skateboard, you'd stop and you'd look around. Because there weren't hella skateboarders all around right. everywhere. When you saw somebody wearing skate shoes, you knew they were a skater. Because back then, no one was wearing skate shoes that weren't skaters. And so it was a subculture. So it was kind of a us-against-them mentality. Mm. So inside the culture, there was much more rallying to each other. And the same thing with hip-hop. Hip-hop was still a subculture Um, And so, you know, it would rally around if you were in a hip hop and I was in a hip hop. We're family. Right. You know, Um, if you were the big homie in hip hop and you're the DJ and I'm like the little kid who wants to learn how to DJ, you're going to take me into your ring and make me carry your records and kind of show me like, well, this this is who James Brown is. This is why we use this record. This is what we do. These are the rules that we have and regulations within our culture. Um, And that really helped show me strong, positive uh, male figures because like I said I didn't have one in my house uh, you know right then so at the then time.
0: when you became when you became a dad were you a little feeling lost or did you feel like I'm ready for this because you looked at it more not maybe from a male female figure point, right but you looked at it more of I know how to be a parent
1: right so I, I had the foundation of the core nutrients to be loving to be caring uh, to play with them to be silly but I didn't have it in like well, which parent did what as much mm. as the other, so there was a lot of
0: unknowns. Do you think that's better? That you, I mean, I don't want to say better because it's your life, right. right? So it's hard to say. Of course, you're not going to change right. it, but but you didn't already have this set of well, this is what the dad does and this is what the mom does. Yeah,
1: I think it. I mean, there there was benefits in that mm-hmm. because I was able to see that the most important things with raising kids are the core nourishment Mm. it's not the male or female it's about do they feel safe nourished taken care of protected Mm -hmm. and free Mm. like these things that are that transcends you know like there was a time back in like Native American time where like there was no mother father it was a tribe Mm. someone had a baby and that was a tribe's baby it wasn't satellite like male female over here couple male female over here couple like tribes raised communities So it was never solely based. Now, all the different men and women had different roles, right? Right. The women did have much more of the nurture, and they were more the matriarchs. Mm -hmm. And the man was more of the patriarch who would gather and hunt and protect. Um, I had that in one person. So, you know, when I started getting into fatherhood, I had the benefit of partnering up with somebody who had two kids that were young. But I kind of got ushered in from, like, the intern you know, kind of just hanging out, supporting, yeah. like, what do you need to like, kind of like the uncle homie who was kind of putting, getting more involved, Yeah, but still fleeting from the back. Like you let me know, like, and then getting into that. So that helped a lot because, yeah. you know, if I would have had my first child with somebody who had their first child, oh my God, it would have been a whole been different,
0: me. huh? Okay.
1: I'm a risk assessing bean counting Virgo by nature. So I would just be like, you know, perfectionist, I would just be stressed out. So luckily I had someone to be like, that's good. You know? So when I had my first kid, it was her third kid. Yeah. So she was like, "Eh, yeah, we'll go to the hospital later. I don't want to go yet. Like, you know, she did most of the, (laughs) most of labor at home, Yeah, Yeah. you know? So it was just like, I would would have have been at the hospital two weeks. Like, we're just going to sit here until the baby comes. I don't know what to do.
0: Man, that's good. (laughs) Well, this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, and and we're already doing it. It's like, you know, we aren't in that tribe setting as much. We're not going out on a hunt for two weeks and sitting around a fire talking as men, sharing life. Right. And so the idea is let's sit down and open up our notes a little bit and gain from each other because we all have something to learn from each other. And the theme is Rebel and Create. And the idea with Rebel and Create is... It could be from I'm rebelling against being on my phone at dinner right. so that I could create more space with my kids to I'm rebelling against this cultural view of X right. because I want to create Y. Right. So what's something that you are either currently or lifelong rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that?
1: Well, I rebel from this assumption that every kid needs to be told what to do all the time. Um, I rebel from the concept of being a helicopter parent, not letting your kids make mistakes Mm -hmm. and fail. Um, I rebel from um, micromanagement and ownership of kids to where um, I believe they're mine and they do what I want them to do at all times or they get no treats or rewards. Um, And I create the space of understanding that These kids are not mine. We have a role. They've come through us, but they have their own mission Mm. that's embedded in them before us. Our goal is to guide and support and give them room and the tools to become who they're supposed to be. We cannot predict who they will be based upon what we see because there is information in them that they don't know how to give us yet until we give them tools and we give them the more tools. And one of the main tools is sense of self and self-esteem. If we give them those, they can then take the other tools of knowledge, of communication, and they will show us who they are and their evolution and their path. And our goal is to just help support and guide them along the way.
0: So two questions, (laughs) love it. How do you give them those first two tools, self-esteem and? Self-esteem And just self-love, is it, self-awareness? Self-awareness. So how do you give
1: those tools to them? Um, Several ways. One of the main ways is to love them unconditionally and give them a little room. Mm -hmm. Like kids are going to make mistakes. Adults make mistakes still. Um, Just because we've been through it. Like let's say, for example, like, you know, you have middle school kids and I have middle school kids. Yeah. there are things that they're going through that we know is so impermanent that it's not even going to matter in a week. Right. But you can't tell that kid, "Eh, it's nothing because it's everything to them. And if you do that, you discredit what their reality is and what their emotions are. So it's this balance of like, Wow, like listen to them. Let them tell you their stories. You can see from their eyes what they're seeing and feeling. Get inside their shoes
0: and empathize with them. Okay, so that is huge because I don't want to miss that. Right. It's allowing them to go through whatever it is they're going through. And you said sit with them, empathize with them. That doesn't equal give them answers because you're giving them answers from, let's just say, 30 years of experience of going through something. So even though you might see the light at the end of the tunnel, you want them to experience it because the knowledge they're going to gain about themselves and about life are much deeper than if you just tell them. Right. And
1: it's it's a combination of both. Like it's you want to empathize with them and you want to feel them that validates them. Mm. That makes them feel like what their the reality, no matter how big or how stupid, is real, right, and right. important. Then from that you can offer perspective, right? You can, from after that, but after that, I'm I'm learning this. It's very hard for me because I'm a solution oriented person. If I see my daughter suffering because you know her her friends at school are being mean to her, you know, and she's stressed out because you know now she's going to school the next day and not know if they're going to pick on her. You know, like my solution thing is like, look, are any of them your God? Like, do they have what you want in life? <laughs> no. Then you got to take it for a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, or let me ask you this question. And I, I would do this, too. And I realized I was doing it too fast. And it was, it was steamrolling her emotions. Mm. I go, Deja, do you remember what the biggest thing um, you were stressed out about at nine what caused you the most grief? And she'd be like, I don't remember. So is it by possible, just by chance, that when you're 13, what you're what you're going through at 12 is probably not going to be a big deal? I, yeah, okay. And I realized I was doing that too soon mm. because she wasn't ready to, she wasn't heard or felt yet. Right. Like, I'm just like, F what you're saying, dude. Yeah, Let yeah. me just tell you.
0: You know, and it's like, that's not compassionate. But I love, yeah, it's not compassionate. I love the validation. But you also had made a comment about your mom that she would hug you and let you cry when you needed to, but she'd kick you in the ass when she needed to. So it's also as a parent being in tune, like we said, even with the coaching, you don't have to do it the same way every time. Right. But it's that being intentional with what you're doing. Right. Because once you just start doing the same response every time, yeah. then you're not in tune. You're just trying to get through this so that you can do whatever you're doing. Yeah. But your role is to parent this kid. Right. And I love, I mean, okay, so my second question to this is, as soon as I asked you, what is it that you're rebelling against? Right. I mean, you just gave me straight from the heart. Why are you so passionate about this? This, I don't own my kid. I'm here to guide them. Why are you so passionate about that?
1: Um, Because with ownership and possession comes entitlement. And you think that they're your property and they're to do exactly what you want to do. So you start instilling in this kid, you're going to be like, say, if I'm a football player, right? You're going to be a football player. You're going to be the next football player from a skater. You're going to be this skater. Or if I'm an accountant, you're going to be this attorney. And you start shaping this kid before you know who they are. Mm. And what happens is a lot of these kids um, either rebel, but they're rebelling under such duress that they spend a lot of their lives in reaction. They're just, they're just rebelling from what my parents are telling me to do. I don't even know what I want to do yet. But since my parents are so hard, all I can do now is rebel and I'm going to do everything else that they don't want me to do to just show them middle finger. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't help that kid. Now other kids will comply and they'll wake up 40 years old in a job with a kid in a house and a picket fence as an accountant. And they're truly a creative and they wanted to write playwrights or screenwrite, or draw.
0: And then everything could just blow up.
1: And, but they have this deep sense of, well, I what I'm supposed to do. This is what I was told to do. This is what I was trained to do, but yet I'm not happy. And then they're depressed. Yeah, and then their man. kids suffer because their kids are seeing this parent who is aloof, who is depressed. And they, if, if you're aloof and depressed and you're just like not in your element, how are you going to be present and excited to follow your kids? You're going to go on autopilot, eat your food, do your homework, go home, go to bed. I yeah. love you. And, you're not going to see that the way you treated this kid at 3 shouldn't be the same way you treat them at 6. They're very different people then. And then at 6 to 12, 12 to 16. I mean it's, you know, you've seen it because you have the kids that are going through your age is like we could have never guessed what our kids were going to be when we looked at them at 10. Yeah. They I mean it's crazy. Like what like our oldest one is graduating with a degree in biochem. She hated school. Like hated it. Math hated it, science hated it.
0: So, dude, I this is incredible. I mean, those two, those two stories of the rebel versus the comply. Yeah. Money, so good. How do you? And you've given some answers already, but but give them the freedom. Right. We kind of talk about that. Give them the freedom and the structure. Like, it's like two different things.
1: Yeah. Well, it's talk the, to me about it's that. the balance of life, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not an exact science. It's right. always moving. So I look at it like. You know, in our lives, we have this spectrum of absolute freedom and absolute security.
0: Mm. Yeah. Right?
1: Like, we're flowing in between this, right? Like, we do a lot of stuff with relationships, so I'll use this analogy. In relationships, so, like, when you're, let's say you're in college or whatever, you have your first, probably your first bout of absolute freedom, because you're probably away from your parents. You're wild and free, right? You're I'm right. yeah. dating, stuff. not even, just whatever. So, you're super free. And then after a while... You may go, damn, like I have no structure and I miss structure. Like a party, of you will start may kick in and be like, I miss structure. So you get a relationship and you get a job after college, you know, because you want structure. Like you did the crazy wild and stuff. Now you want that structure, that routine, that security, yeah. that job security, that relationship security. Like when you're free, you don't know if the girl you slept with is going to be around tomorrow. You don't know if you want to be around tomorrow. Right. But after a while, you're like, "Yeah, that's kind of destabilizing. I kind of want to make, you know, I want a, someone I can know is going to come around and be around and tell me they love me more than one day." So you go to this maximum security space. But then later on, you realize, "Damn, maybe I don't need maximum of either. I need some type of flow of both."
0: Yeah, but why do we do that to ourselves? Why does it seem as though? most of us live so far on the right or left of that spectrum and we don't allow ourselves the freedom of being in the middle right and and that's probably where joy comes from right which is you're saying we don't experience joy as much as we should because we either feel like we got to be so secure because now we've got the wife and the kids and the whatever yeah or we're over here on the wild side and there's zero structure and we are constantly having to change our friends and stuff because nobody wants us around right um Life, it's that middle space. It's giving us the freedom to be there. Well,
1: first of all, nuance is very destabilizing because you're always, it's a flow. Mm. Like we, as humans, a lot of us really like predictability as much as we act like we don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to know that, you know, when we go home, the kit, the couch is going to be where it is. You know, like we like these things kind of help us balance our reality out. Um, And so also, a lot of us are taught that security is one of the most important things. And sense of security is like routine and regimen and things structure. Um, and so we're not taught to embrace nuance. We're very black and white. Look at the political landscape. Look at the religious landscape. Yeah. Like we're very black or white. Like you can't be. There's no way you could possibly believe a Republican and Democrat could both have possible things that may be good. Like you can't. It's like it's your all or none. And so we're We're polarized. And it goes back to, I think what I was saying was, you know, either we rebel or comply and there's no in between. And so both of those are reaction based things mm. we need to get in a state of pro action and procreating of our we are proactively choosing what we're doing, like aside from the noise and for parents, for as a father, what I try to do with my kids is not be so imposing To where they have to react to just like create space like what is it you want to do what are you into you know once they state that they're into something okay cool well you know let's set it up let's give you a shot let's you know like how serious are you let's go to guitar center you want to check out the bass Mm. let's go and then once they get into it then we're like okay cool so like you know, so you say you want to be a good bassist. Okay, well, you know, the bassist, they, stu- they practice a few times a day. Here's the structure. So like, yeah. yeah, so we're going to take the phone away. You're going to give me a good hour or two on bass and just get into that. And I give them tools and give them space, but it's like once they've gotten into something. Um, but you give them room to where they don't have to feel like they're always reacting to the parents or the father's will. Like, oh, I better do this or else. Because their motivation is fear and guilt. And when you're motivated by fear and guilt, you're reacting. You're not motivated by joy and by passion. You're motivated by like, dude, if I don't get these good grades, my parents are gonna kill me. Mm -hmm. You know, If I don't become an accountant, like I really wanna be a guitar player in a rock band, but my parents want me to be an accountant and I'm really good at math.
0: Because it's secure and safe. If I
1: don't become an accountant and I tell my parents I wanna just go join a rock band and tour for four years, that feeling of guilt, that feeling of judgment kills them. And so in reaction, they go, okay, well, I gonna be an accountant. Even though I've hated it. I knew a lot of people know, um, very early, if not in college, shortly after college, that what they chose to do as their profession is not what's gonna make them happy for long. If it's our, if it's if at that point they're still happy with it.
0: So what do you think about the idea? I mean, every it feels as though our culture is like, do what makes you happy. Right. What do you feel about that?
1: Well, as a root thing, that's a great thing. I don't think I think our 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 society is being dishonest by just saying that because there's, everything is like, yeah, but buy this, do that. If you don't look like them, mm. you're gonna be horrible. Go to this way, go left, go right. Like, it's not encouraging you to be in, in, to be authentically you. Mm. Because the reality is, like, go say in just the, the political stuff. Some of most of us are pretty liberal in some things, fairly libertarian about some things, and very conservative about other things. You know, like we all have our own balance. Right. The, the essence of joy is I can choose my balance. And as I learn new things about myself or about life, I can change my balance. Where joy dies is pick who you are and who you're going to be with and how you're going to raise your kids today. And that's who you better be 20 years from now.
0: Mm.
1: And we try to live up to that. And we're different people all the way through, but we try to like keep pushing ourselves. Maybe in the beginning, it's easier to do this routine because that's where we are. But ten years later, like your whole balance of what makes you happy, of how much sleep you need, of what food you 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 eat, what music you like, is probably very different. If you allow yourself to check in and be like,
0: I think that's a big thing: is allowing ourselves to check in with our yeah. check in with ourselves to pause yeah. and see where we're headed. Like it's good to pick a direction you're headed because yeah. then you're starting to move, but then to stop and course correct before something drastic in life yeah. forces you to course, create, yeah. course correct.
1: I think we're just, things are too, are very rigid. Hmm. Um, and we're very into complying or rebelling. Like, you know, um, when you have a family and kids and you go, you know, you have, you are going to school, there's other families and there's other parents And there's this keep up with the Jones thing that can play a role into how you're doing things. Like, oh, like, here's a big one. You know, like when your kids are getting out of high school. Oh, where are your kids going to college? And like, what if your kid, we're like, oh, you know, he's going to take a year off. He's really not really that into school, but he's really into, you know, the trades of playing the bass and
0: sculpting. Oh, hmm. There's like a lamenting there. Yeah,
1: and you feel it. Like, you know, so you feel that. So either you rebel, I don't like them anyways, but you know, or you comply, like, damn, you know, maybe you know what? Maybe you should go to school at least part time or at least apply, you know, because we're reacting, Mm. we're being motivated by fear of judgment. Like, the hard part is to hear all that, digest it, be like, "Eh, it doesn't feel that good, and then get back to your state and be like, yeah, but I know my child. They don't know my child.
0: Dude, that's a big one. And can you answer that question? Do you know your child? Well, the thing is, if you say yes one day, it's not guaranteed
1: yes the next day.
0: So you better be in tune with who they you are. You got
1: it, and that's the thing is, as fathers, we have to create a lifestyle um, that allows us room to be emotionally present with ourselves, so we're emotionally present and mentally present and available for our kids. If we're, and this is a hard part because our society, it's not cheap and you know, things cost more and the, the environment of the economics doesn't allow us to have a one person, you know, we can't just work 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week and have enough food and money to just kick it with our kids all yeah, the time. Yeah. A lot of us have to bust, especially in the Bay, like, you know, like, busting your ass 80 hours a week may get you a decent lifestyle for a while. Like just, you know, you can't, you ain't got no time, but at least you can still live here. Right. You're not moving you're not Moving to Modesto or Turlock yet, you know. Um, but you're you're tired, you're exhausted. If you're if you're that way every day, how are you present for your kid? What if you have 3 kids? What if you have 3 kids and a wife? Like how are you how are you even being present for all of these? So a lot of us mail it in. We fall asleep. And so that's why there's so many
0: parents who have no idea what their kids are into. So how do you stay in tune with your kids even if you do have to you you have right. a busy work life? Um encourage and embrace and
1: share honesty. Hmm. Because you don't have time to be the interrogator, to hover above them, to see their moods and see who they're hanging out with all the time. You're busy. The best way to do that is create an environment where your kids can be honest with you without judgment. Because if you're one, like for example, and these are the lessons that we learn as early as a kid from a parent that messes our, up our relationships. Let's say you're, you know, me and you are we're 13 or 14 and we're just like skating, rocking out, like, you know. And uh, we went out to some crazy skate spot in like Hunters Point, in the hood, in the hood. And we saw some stuff. And we came back, and the parents were like, "Where'd you go?" We're like, "Oh, we went to Hunters Point. It was crazy. Like there was like crack. They were selling crack. It was uh, it was crazy. Like and there was these gangsters. They didn't bother us though, because they like skaters. And your parents were like, "Yo, if you ever, ever go to Hunters Point ever again, you will never skate ever again. I will." Cut to break your board up. Bah. What does that tell you as a kid? It doesn't tell you, I better not ever go to Hunter's Point. It says, if I go to Hunter's Point, I better not ever tell them. Mm-hmm. And then what that does is it starts going, okay, if we tell our parents X, Y, and Z, we're going to get this response. So the things that I want to do that don't fit in my parents' compliance, I'm just never going to tell them.
0: So then you start creating this unhonest relationship yeah. with them.
1: And the parents encourage it because the parents, the way they respond to their children's honesty, makes the kid go, Oh, okay, I'm just never gonna tell you that shit again.
0: What's crazy is I feel like some parents say, I know what I did in high school, and I would rather just not know. Yeah. So what's up with that? What do you think about that? I mean, it's, that's not a relationship, right?
1: No, well it's it's this I mean, it's 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 that is how all relationships end up playing out when people have that mind state. So mm-hmm. they can be married and be like, I know my my wife's not happy, but I'm not going to ask because I'm afraid of what I might find out if she tells me the truth. Mm. So I'm just going to pretend. And when you pretend, it's surface, it's shallow, and that kills the passion, that kills the love, that kills the connection. So with a kid, if you're doing that, you don't think your kids know that you're pretending? Like kids are way more intuitive than we think they are. They may not know everything logically, but they feel. And so we as parents and as fathers can get in this dynamic with kids to where we're like, I don't want to know. And the kid's like, okay, I'm not going to tell you. And then we just ask, like, you're, you're, you're staying out of trouble, aren't you? Yeah, mom. Okay, great. And, like, the parent goes away, like, as if that's really enough, right? Like, not knowing that the kid knows that my definition of I just want to make my mom feel okay because mm-hmm. I don't want her to stress out. hmm you know, she doesn't need to know that I started trying smoking weed or that I started drinking a little bit or that I'm, I'm getting uh, sexual with my boyfriend or that I even have a boyfriend or that I have. A, I have a girlfriend or that I'm gay or that I, like, like kids know very well, like what range their parents can handle uh, information and what just can't. Yeah. And so it goes into that love way. I love you so much. I'm just not I, I don't I'm going to protect you from pain um so i'm going to i'll even lie to you if i have to to keep you happy and parents and kids do this to each other.
0: Mm. Man, i i love this so uh, two last things that i want to dig into. Are we done? Is, no, I'm just kidding. Is <laughs> Man, i could hear you talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> is um you seem to really have an amazing understanding of what your role is as a father. Like hearing you talk about the way that you father your kids in giving them a sense of free. It seems as though you're not hanging on to this. I've got these kids for 18 years. Right. Kind of mentality. And it's about me enjoying that time. Right. It's about you have an opportunity that there's these human beings who've been placed in your care. And it's your role to not make them like you. Right. Right but to set them up for success in a, in real world.
1: Right. Like, it's to give them the core tools. Like, I don't care if they get straight A's. I care if they try. Mm-hmm. Um, Effort. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't care if they don't make the play or the band. I care that they enjoy trying, that they enjoy being a part of it. Their self-esteem, like, self-esteem is... I do I, I'm just going to be extreme and say it's 85 percent of the most important things you can ever give a kid because with self-esteem, they can learn because they won't be afraid to learn. They won't tell themselves they're too stupid to do that. They'll never do that. So you see people who are multimillionaires at the peak of their career, athletes, musicians, whatever, but they have low self-esteem because the way they were raised and they're never happy. Because they're always chasing the validation from their father or from whatever mm. because they don't feel good enough no matter what. So, all this accolade for them is hollow because they just feel empty inside because they don't love themselves. They don't feel they're worth it. So, with that self, like one thing my mom gave me was she helped me really embed self esteem. They were like, I may not be the silliest or the best or whatever, but I can do something. It may take me 20 years to learn what it takes someone in five years, but I can do it. I believe in myself, you know, I don't believe it's going to be easy, but that's okay. You know,
0: man, that's so good. So that's what I was was going to ask you is like, how did you come to this being so comfortable in your own skin to, to be in a place where you can father these kids? Well, is it, is it a self discovery that you made? I mean, it's probably a combination of things. Is it from the way your mom raised you? Is there anything that you could pinpoint? And then with that, say there's a dad that there just so happens to be a dad who's driving and listening to this and is just not engaged and just, I don't have self-esteem myself. What can they do to snap out of that crap and have validation regardless of what's going on around them? Right.
1: Well, it starts from within. Like doing, I call it the root work within ourselves. We can only give what we have. Like Hmm. our primary relationship is the one we have with ourselves. Um, our firstborn is us, our inner child. It's really so, in order for us to be connected to the kid outside, are we connected to the kid inside? Are we honest with ourselves about the struggles that we have? Have we done any work? You know, because a lot of us had parents that didn't leave them with just like a great sense of everything, you know, like yeah. I love my parent, I love my dad, but he was an alcoholic or he beat me or he was never there. Or my mom was cool, but she just smiled and fed me. And my dad did everything, but he was grumpy. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. we never we never talked about love or we never talked about care. So we have a lot of self-evaluating to do. Am I the way that I, I am today because I consciously chose this is how I want to be? Or are there still things within me that were not even by choice, that were in me before I even thought about it that I have to undo? Like, a lot of us have to do a lot of unlearning. Mm. Um, about what manhood looks like and what masculinity supposed to be mm-hmm. and how a father's supposed to be because we have a lot of internal within our family and external uh definitions of manhood that aren't good for us you know that may not be the way we are mm. um, right they're just things that we've put yeah. on and so you know we have to be and, and this is the thing is it. Like you said, with anything, we're always changing. There's layers and layers of life every year, every day. So it takes work to keep up with ourselves. Um, But if we have these dark areas that we don't want to deal with in ourselves, and we have, then it creates this trauma, and we're afraid to go into that with our kids. We want to protect them from it. But the reality is we can't protect kids from their path. Unless you're with them 24 hours a day and you never let them do anything, then... They become
0: nobody. They become a clone. And at some point, they're going to have to figure out who they are. So so, so as you uh, – how – what's a practical step? What's one practical step if I'm like, yeah, man, there is some stuff I know that I need to unlearn. There, I don't love everything about myself, but I don't know how to start.
1: Right. Um, if you have ki- – if you're a father and you have kids and you're like – I want to really be the best father I can for these kids. I don't want them to go through what I went through. Or I want them to to have what my parents gave me, right? Then ask yourself, what are those things? What are the positive attributes that I want to have for the kids? Do I have them for myself, right? Like if you want your kids to be honest with you, to be able to come to you with anything from dad, like I met a girl and I don't know what to do to dad, I went out last night and I got super drunk and I don't know or like I mean you know any of these things right Um, if you want them to come to you you have to think about it how will you respond to them are you honest with yourself like are there things within yourself that you're being honest with yourself about like you know things that you struggle with have you shared any of your vulnerability with your kids you know one of the things I think is really important is to have your kids realize you're human Mm -hmm. and not a superhero Mm. because um, like, I was raised and I thought my mom was invincible and then when I got to junior year in high school and she had a brain aneurysm and her speech was all like
0: you messed your world up dude
1: if she would have died then I would have been a wreck I was so dependent on her because I thought she was invincible and then as I started seeing that she's a human that she's fallible it messed me up for a while mm because it was like, that was my foundation. Like, well, if she's not stable, what am I? I? You know, and I had to really understand, like, that's a false sense of stability is that my mom is invincible, you know. Um, and my mom never really shared with me her struggles. I didn't know till she passed away how much she wrote and what she was emotionally cared about because she was a rock. You know, like, she was nurturing to me, but I didn't know what she was going through. Yeah, And I think... um the connection to your kids should go both ways. And what we usually do is we try to insulate our kids from our problems, like especially marital, right? Like, I don't want to, we don't want to damage the kids. Kids are watching this energy like, yo, mom and dad don't seem, this shit ain't right, but they keep telling me everything's okay. So is this the definition of what okay looks like?
0: Mm, and what okay feels like. Right, as opposed to, yeah,
1: hey, I'm, you know, like mommy's crying and I'll tell you, me and you know mommy and daddy are going through some hard times like we're both human and we go through changes sometimes and it's just we have a hard time and sometimes we do argue and fight or hey mommy and daddy um things are changing and i don't think we're going to be living together anymore but this is how it's going to look for us we're always going to love you and now you're going to have two houses it's going to be difficult but this is why this happens and let them ask questions well why why are you guys breaking up Well, what's happening and don't go. Oh well, you know, you know, and just you have to find your balance, like you're saying. Yeah. What do you? How much do you tell? Like what details? But you. But you don't hide them from all the truth. No, let your kids support you. You know what makes the kid feel really good when they can be a, a, a nurturer to you too.
0: And not be on this, the backs of us versus them.
1: Right. Us versus them, or you're forever the student, and I'm forever the teacher. Yeah. Kids rebel from that. That's one of yeah. the first things they rebel from. Yeah, you don't know every. You can't tell me every. Like, argh. especially between the ages of six and seventeen, it's yeah. like you, know, you can't. You don't know everything, Dad. Like, you're not from my era. You don't know what these memes mean. You don't understand this slang. You don't know how kids are these days. And we're like, yeah, we do. But that's it's the same thing. If we don't get in their shoes, we don't realize. Like, us arguing with them is just basically trying to tell them your reality doesn't is not important as mine is. Mm. And so, you know, one of the coolest things that can happen is if dad is sad to go to their kid and be like, man, daddy's having a hard day today and the son or the daughter be like, I got you daddy. It's okay. Here, Here's my dolls or here's let's go ride a skateboard because what does that do? Like the same thing. What, what do you feel when a friend of yours comes to you? Like, man, dude, I'm just having a hard day.
0: Yeah. Makes you feel empowered to be able to uplift them and love on them.
1: Makes you feel empowered, feel valued. Yep feels like you can contribute back. Mm-hmm. Like you're worth something.
0: It's not just a one way street. Right.
1: You know, one of the coolest things that have ever happened that happens to me, it doesn't happen often, but when it does is when someone who I deem as a mentor or someone I look up to mm. comes to me for advice.
0: Yeah. That's you're so like, true. Dang, like, yeah, you would consider me to ask yeah. about this. You're like, Whoa, like, man, that's a, such a great analogy of why it's valuable for us to do the same with our kids. Yeah, it's not
1: huh. we don't benefit from being a hard rock to our kids. Yeah, We don't benefit from do as I say not as I do. Yeah. You know.
0: Man, that's so good. All right, so my final question to you is around legacy. So, say 30, 40 Doctor years.
1: Strange, Doctor Strange. Marvel. No, I'm just kidding. I'm
0: <laughs> you look into the homes of your kids' families. Right. Okay, so 20, 30 years from now you peer into the homes of your kids' families. What are the things that you hope to see? that you implanted in your kids today? Um,
1: I want to be able to
0: see honesty, authenticity,
1: connection. I don't mm. want to go in there and feel like there's elephants in the room that no one's talking about. Ah. I want to feel like when people are feeling things, um, they feel safe and comfortable to bring them to each other. Brother to brother, brother to sister, sister to mother, brother to dad. Um, I want to feel that they're connected. I want to feel like, um, they make eye contact, you know, and they actually like sit in it. No one's so busy trying to preoccupy themselves that they can't present themselves. And it, it does it has little to do with phones or not phones. Like these are all distractions that we can use, but that just because they're there doesn't mean it's a distraction. Right. You can feel engagement, you know, whether someone's reading a book or on a phone. Or drawing when people are connected they can be in the same room doing different activities but you feel their connection and it may just be two little things they may look up from their book and just like nudge their kid or just like lean over like you know put the shoulder on the mom while they're like on the phone or just like you know ask a really random question or the mom or dad or like as a father you know we don't always start with you know so how was your day we actually tell them, like man I had a crazy day today, son. Like, dude, it's hard. Aren't friends hard sometimes? Like, yeah. you know, you want to feel like there's an ease. Like when you walk, when you walk into the room in the house, like if I go to my grandchildren's, you know, my, my son's or daughter's house with their kids, like you want to feel ease. You don't want to feel like this tense, like there's a pressure building in here. Like, you know, there's something going on that no one's talking about, but it's
0: very clear. Dude, I love that. That is work right there. But how yeah. how much joy would there be in life if there was that connection yeah. and that freedom? And I love how you said, like you said, the elephants in the room. Because, I mean, that just seems to exist in so many, maybe not homes, but family, yeah. you know, extended family life. Uh, so, man, that is a great legacy to be working at. And, I mean, clearly the last hour of us talking. It's clear that that's something that you are working on and yeah. that you are instilling in the lives of your kids,
1: right, and it's so I guess to cap it is in order for me I feel to do that, I have to live that mhm, like that should be the feeling people feel when they're around me, that feeling of ease, that feeling that they could come and talk to me about whatever's on their mind, that if they're not feeling how I do things and they want to understand why I do those things, you know or. They just have something that's hard on their heart. You know, like I want them to feel that ease. They may never use it, but when they come just being around me, they've, they, there's a layer of exhale. Like it's like this the level of calm, but joy. Like there's engaged, electric, but calm. Yes. You know, relaxed intensity, I guess is what it's kind of relaxed like. Relaxed intensity. But I you like know, it. yeah, that's where you can really be like, it's really hard to find environments in our lives where we can truly be ourselves. Most of us have a very hard time being ourselves within ourselves. Like we don't even give ourselves the internal space to think about and vocalize our honesty. Like, man, I don't know if I could be at this job anymore. Or like, you know, I love my wife, but I feel like there's more to my life than just being a father. Like I feel like that we, we have so much guilt and perception of what we're supposed to be, comply or rebel, that the nuance gets lost. And so if it's hard within ourselves, it's hard to find a situation where there's more than one person being themselves honestly together without alcohol and drugs and other things, right? Like a lot of, I feel a lot of people take other things to help them become themselves. Mm -hmm. So if we can start them as kids early to where becoming yourself becomes so second nature that anything else seems foreign versus the opposite, then they don't have to go take something to become themselves. And that's, to me, that's the most important thing. Oh my
0: goodness. Tion, I love it, man. I love it. So good. So rich. Um, Dude, you are an intentional human, intentional father, intentional spouse, intentional friend. And I love the way that you live your life, the way that you see the world. And I learned a lot talking with you today and just keep being yourself, man. Keep sharing your life with the world around you.
1: Thank you. That is the plan. And I'll leave it with this. Um, impermanence is real nothing stays the same so if you know your kid and you guys are close at seven just know you're gonna have to work as hard on yourself to be prepared for what they bring to you at eight mm. and nine and ten and 11, <laughs> twelve. it's all it's, it's you you can never click save you know as long as a human is alive they're not the same person that they were the week or two before They're processing things differently. Life is happening. Tragedies are happening around them. Current events are happening. Um, All these things are affecting all of us, right? Like we have, you know, we, we hear a coronavirus. Whether we make any moves or not, it's in our psyche. You know, if we're concerned about the political landscape or the environment, like it's in our psyche. It's changing who we are. You know, we hear a new song. We find a new mentor. We break up with someone. All these things change who we are. And your kids are going through all of this stuff probably four times faster than we are as adults. Mm. So impermanence is real. It's not exact science. Um, so don't be afraid to mess up. Expect to mess up, but own it. Be vulnerable. Mm. Tell your kid, hey, dude, last when I came at you yesterday, I was wrong. Like, I, I apologize. When you came home drunk and I told you you don't go drink and I yelled at you, Like, I apologize. I want you to know that you can come to me and that you're going to live your life. And I'm here to help you navigate that so that the kid doesn't calcify this logic that I can never tell my parents these things because they can't handle it. And they'll make me feel, you know, like I'm a bad person for making decisions. So
0: that's what it is. Oh, I love it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that time flew by. Listening to Tion, just so well-spoken and so thoughtful towards his position, role, relationship as a father, incredible. And just at that end, his legacy of wanting to create um, this awareness that we don't just sit with elephants in the room and pretend like everything's okay, that our relationships wouldn't stop there, but that we would go deeper, incredible. Please share this episode with a friend. Send it to somebody. Write a review if you enjoyed it. It goes a long way. Go follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Stay in tune with what Rebel and Create is up to, what we're doing. Super exciting. Fatherhood matters. I just want to thank all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Please don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood.